0: Welcome along to another episode of the Football Funders podcast brought to you in association with the Proper Blokes Club and let us talk mental health, the football team raising money for mental health charity Mind. I am Ryan, your host this evening. There's no old man Finch, but there is, however, the ever-present Man Dan. How are you doing, Dan?
1: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm good. How are you, mate?
0: Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Let us talk. You are the assistant manager and you've been playing games, so give us an update.
1: Yeah, so we played on Sunday night in the Infinity Cup uh, round of 16. We won 4-2 down at the Meridian in Elton. With 10 minutes left, it was 2-2. The Let Us Talk boys uh, got the win and we'll be in the quarterfinals. The draw is upcoming, so hopefully we get a draw again in the local area and hopefully we'll see some faces being
0: able to come down and watch us. And where can we find them? Can we find more information on Twitter?
1: They're on Twitter, at at Let Us Talk, underscore MH, and
0: on Facebook, at at Let Us Talk Mental Health, or Jamie Leggett. Excellent. We are going to get into the transfer window on this podcast. However, there have been a few managerial comings and goings since our last podcast. Again, if you haven't caught live streams on Facebook, we do apologise for not doing a pod last week. But illness and scheduling conflicts meant we just didn't have the time to do it. The main managerial coming and going of today is West Brom's Valerian Ishmael has been sacked. They did start the season quite well and Pete and Dan actually tipped them for automatic promotion and the wheels have very quickly fallen off. Dan, do you want to give us your opinion on that one?
1: Yeah, I think, listen, he, a manager that came in and did fantastic for Barnsley last year and we expected him to go to West Brom and do the same. I think what sadly caught up for them is their inability to score uh, their strikers were Carlin Grant, who the less said about better on this podcast, so i will move on from that. Callum Robinson, who has been a winger for the majority of his career, and Jordan Hugill, the striker that keeps robbing clubs of a living. Um, so they, I think their real issue was is they just didn't have a natural goal scorer, and I felt the quality around them would be able to pull them through. They've struggled with that. They brought in Darryl Dyke at the beginning of January, or DK I think it's pronounced. He, again, it was at Barnsley last year uh, from the MLS. Scored for fun uh, within 50 minutes of his West Brom debut. Had pulled his hamstring and was uh, was injured. And then they signed Andy Carroll last week. He did make his debut against Millwall. But so I mean, it just they just run out of time. They've been on a really bad run of form. Um, so hopefully for them, whoever the next man is, we'll discuss who is expected to be the next man in a minute. I'm sure. But uh, I still think they'll be up there. I still think they're in and around the playoffs as we speak. Anyway, so wouldn't be surprised if they
0: still managed to get promoted. And the man in the frame, according to Sky Sports and other sources, currently is... Steve Bruce, who we (laughs) spent
1: weeks trashing for all kinds of reasons saying that he'd be done as a manager. And here he is, close to a return to another Midlands club because he really enjoys the Midlands as Bruce. Once he's left West Brom, he can go to Wolves and he's done all four of them. So (laughs) the other one that's been mentioned is Slavan Bilic, who was obviously the man who got West Brom promoted last time. So that would be interesting, although it does seem quite likely that Steve Bruce is going to get the job, which is, it baffles me to be honest. This is a job where someone like John Terry, who you've been
0: mentioning in the past, I'd be very interested to see him be given the chance. Speaking of other managers that probably shouldn't be in a job anymore, the Pozzo family at Watford have started 2022 the same way they start every year by firing their manager. 71-year-old Claudio Ranieri was relieved of his post to be replaced by... 74-year-old Roy Hodgson, former Crystal Palace manager, and so a man who seems to want to top up his pension every now and again. Dan, you got a view on that one?
1: I made a comment on the group chat when this deal was announced to Ryan saying that they'd probably pulled him out of his, uh, his care home, bless him. He was probably sitting there talking to some old woman watching Countdown or something and Watford called and he shit himself and went and signed the deal, bless him. Uh, to get him out of his chair in on a hoist and get him ready to go. So he's ironically full favorite to be the next Premier League manager to be sacked <laughs> as we speak.
0: <laughs> Not a surprise really that one is it. I mean Pete uh, in uh, one of the previous podcasts Pete said that his prediction for 2022 was for Watford to go through. No, I think I was I think it was you and Pete. I think yeah, it was three uh, managers. You three said managers. three managers. I think Pete said four. There's one down already. And we're one down already in the first (laughs) month. So, hey, how how many games do we give Roy Hodgson? I mean, Claudio got, I think, 12. Do you know the length of the deal? I think it's 18 months. I I could be be wrong. I think it's six months with an option of a 12 if they stay up. They're not staying up.
1: I have every expectation that he's gone by the summer.
0: Well, I was actually going to ask you if you thought it would make any difference in them staying up. I gave my views on, there's a live stream on Facebook on our Facebook page. If you just search Facebook for Football Funders Podcast, you'll find us. And I said that Roy Hodgson seems like a sound appointment, but I don't think he's got enough time to build a solid base with that side to, to keep them up, which is what he normally does. He also didn't have a window, did he? You know, I think
1: he came in with a few days left of a window. Watford's business was done. I don't, I don't even know if they did meet business, to be honest, Watford. I don't think Watford will stay up purely because I don't think they can defend. I think their strength is in Ismail Isar and Emmanuel Dennis. I don't think their defence has any quality. Their midfield is Moussa Sissoko and Tom Cleverley. And I don't need to slag off Tom Cleverley more than I have before. So I think it's the end, regardless of who they hide. But Hodgson's still an odd choice. You'd think you'd plan for beyond this season, but clearly not.
0: And the other managerial in, obviously on our last podcast, we spoke about who is going to solve the mess at Everton Football Club following uh, Rafa Benitez's departure. And the man who's been given that job is one Frank Lampard. Take that one away, Dan. Yeah,
1: well, we spoke about him, we, at quite a long length on the previous podcast. I think it was something that we we're both against, but this and he's obviously cut a figure. For whatever reason, they believe he's the man. Uh, they've trusted him in the window, if you believe... We'll get on to obviously their signings of Deli Alley and Donny van der Beek and what we think of them, if, if rumours to be believed, they are his signings. So, I mean, they've backed him to a degree. Um, I would have liked them to have gone with someone with a bit of experience to get them out of a rock because as far as, as I said on the last podcast, as far as I'm concerned, they're still in you know a relegation battle if results don't go their way. And it's something that, you know, he's not been in that before, has he? You know, he was at Derby for a year who were uh, at that point playoff contenders, playoff Yearly, he did the same and then went to Chelsea and got to the Champions League when maybe he wasn't expected to and then things fell off a little bit for him. So I'm very interested to see how he does. I'm not necessarily keen on the appointment myself, but
0: you can only give him time, can't we? I think the thing that worries me for that is normally when you get a new manager, you get a bit of a bounce. But is he the type to give players a boost? Because Steven Gerrard has really impressed me in his managerial career so far. Just his presence and the way he speaks. I don't get the same feeling from Frank that I do from Stephen. I don't know if
1: it's um how do I how do I word this correctly politically if you want to say it? Lampard comes across to me a bit pompous. Do you know what I mean? He yep. comes across a bit like I'm the shit. I could just come in and do it. Where Gerard, you saw he had that work ethic from the minute he he got into the Rangers. That the good thing for Lampard is I think he's got Brentford. They don't play this weekend because they do. They I think it's the FA Cup this weekend, actually. They have Brentford. And then they have Newcastle away and then Leeds at home, Southampton away. So that's a good start for him. They'll be hopeful they can get points. The concern for me is, has he got a squad there? As I said, I think they're in relegation bother. I think they could be in it because your best player you sold and because he fell out of the manager that you sacked a week later. And he was a left-back. Yeah, and bringing in van der Beek and Ali, again, we'll get on to it in a minute. You're, you've improved one area, arguably, with two players. An area that I don't think was one of your problems.
0: I think, I'm, I'm not sure I'd agree, to be honest. I think Everton's midfield is very workmanlike. Having managed them on Football Manager, and obviously I know it's only a computer game, but they do try and make it as realistic as possible, They've very much got a midfield of very similar players. They're all industrious. They're all ball winners. They lacked someone with a bit of finesse, a bit of technical ability.
1: For me, in terms of their midfield, I actually think that's where Everton are quite strong. I'm a big fan of Decore. I think Alan does a job. I wouldn't say he's fantastic, I think he does a job. I like Decore. My concern for them is I think their defence is awful because Michael Keane is not a good defender. John Joe Kenny and Seamus Coleman aren't good right-backs. Mason Holgate isn't the player that people think he is. They brought in a left-back that I think, well, I mean, on FM looks fantastic, but obviously we yet see what he looks like in real life. And if Calvert-Lewin doesn't score, they don't get goals. I get that they brought in two creative players, but the wingers are bad, the defence is bad, your keeper's questionable. Was was going out and signing Deli Ali who... The Van der Beek one, I'll be honest, I have no problem with. I think that's a good signing for them. The Deli Alley one, someone who is very, what's the right term, up and down, needs to be in the right place at the right time. You already have that in Andre Gomez.
0: There's definitely some interesting signings, shall we say, going on at Everton. But what do we think? Do we think Frank will keep them up? I think he keeps them up
1: on the basis that I think Watford and Norwich are down. And Newcastle are going to have a hell of a battle to keep themselves up. And who's the other team? There's another team. Burnley. 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 So I take that back. I think Newcastle have a chance. I think there's enough bad teams below them. Those four, I think, are comfortably worse than Everton. Ever- I wouldn't be surprised if Everton finished three points clear at the end and are just hanging up with them fifth from bottom, 15th place and struggling.
0: Right. So that's the managerial ins and outs covered. We are going to move on to the transfer window. Before we start talking about some of the bigger deals and some of the stranger deals, because there are a couple of strange deals that we'll go into in a minute. Cholton, Dan, they've technically signed two players, although one they lost and then got back again. So take us through Cholton before we move on to Premier League and others. We brought in
1: Scott Fraser from Ipswich Town. If you don't watch lower league football, Scott Fraser was last season one of the... Most talked about players in League One. He was at Milton keynes Dons, placed behind the strike, had a fantastic season, was scoring for fun. I don't know his exact stats. Former of Dundee United in the summer, apparently we tried to get him. He chose to sign for Ipswich instead of us. Went over to Ipswich and played left wing. And then obviously they brought in Kieran McKenna and he's been on the bench a lot since. He scored 14 goals in 40 games last year, by the way, from attacking midfield. This year scored one in 15 for Ipswich. We've signed in, we got him uh, on a three and a half year deal, which is a big contract for a League One club. Hopefully he fits into the system. We we do play with an attacking midfielder behind the two strikers. So hopefully he comes in and, and can regain his form from last season. And in terms of outs with a return, uh, Mason Burstow, who's a 17-year-old, who's got six goals in 10 games for us this season. He's signed for Chelsea for a rumoured £2.2 million plus add-ons. Now, Ryan, I've got a I've got one question and a statement. I don't like this deal. And it's not because I, I don't want to see a Charlton player leave to join another club. I think Chelsea is the wrong club to sign for. Because if you look at the way that Chelsea stockpile youngsters, they're the ones that are most... I don't know what the correct term is. No, other teams don't do it as much as compared to Chelsea. And a lot of other teams, the, the pathway through to the first side has always, is always better. You always get more youngsters. Chelsea are one of, I think in the last 15, 20 years, I saw a stat on the Chelton page, that Chelsea are have the second lowest in the Premier League era of Chelsea youth academies coming through to the first team. Mason Burstow obviously is going to leave Chelton to go and play in their youth system. He's 17. He's not going to go in the first team. I wouldn't have had a problem if Mason Burstow had gone to Brentford, if he had gone to... Aston Villa, West Ham, etc., because I think there would be a path for him. My concern is Chelsea, and I don't and my big thing, it's a difficult one because you can't really put things in, in things in place. But should there be a
0: rule against stockpiling youngsters? I agree with you. I think there should be. I think the attitude that Chelsea have taken over the years kind of reminds me of a spell that AC Milan went through not that long ago. Uh, where they would just literally sign everyone that they wanted to sign and loan them out. Whenever we talk about Chelsea, the person I automatically think of is Marco van Ginkel. I don't know if you remember
1: him. Him and Marco Marin were on loan about 27 times.
0: Exactly. And he was like a a young up-and-coming Dutch international at the time he signed. And yes, he had horrific injuries at one point or another he could never really stay fit but he barely ever played I think he played something like one game for Chelsea or something and he spent the rest of his career out on loan until his contract run out I don't believe that Chelsea should be or any club even Manchester United for that matter to be fair it's not something Manchester United do but I don't think anybody should be stockpiling young talent young talent needs to be out playing football the the good thing in this instance for Cholton is that they've got the player straight back. So yeah. it's good for the player. It's good for Cholton. And Chelsea have potentially got a, a future signing. If I was him personally, I wouldn't have signed for Chelsea, no matter yeah. how much money they got me. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you're just going to end up sitting in the under-23s, going on loan, year here, year there. It's going to be at Vitesse at some point. We know this. Uh, it's where Chelsea send all their kids. It's just going to be year on year on year on year. And then they'll just do what they normally do, which is extend his contract by a year. And he'll take it because he's going to be on a lot of money. So if Chelsea offer him a new deal or, or to extend his deal, he'll take it to keep the cash. As I said, if I was him, I wouldn't have signed for Chelsea. And I think he's kind of shot himself in the foot in terms of his own career. He's I don't see him getting... No offence, I don't know much about the lad. I think he's got something like six goals in 18 six and games. Ten. Six six in 10. Is it? I think it's 18 games overall he's played for Cholton or something, is it?
1: Yeah, if you include the two Bob Cups and stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he's got about six in 18. I haven't seen him play. I will bow to your knowledge on him, but it's not like he's in the League One banging in goal after goal after goal. It doesn't look from the outside looking in like a Premier League quality striker who's immediately going to go and sit on the bench. So I can't see him potentially playing for Chelsea ever. I might have to eat my words in a year or two, but you've seen him, Dan. So do you think he'll ever get to the Chelsea first team? The thing is, it's
1: a a massive unknown, isn't it? I think he's a... What I will say is he's a poacher. We've seen his goals for Charlton have been when the ball has fallen in the box, Burstow's been there to tap it in. A lot of the times he's come off the bench his first touch is putting the ball in the back of the net. And when he started games, he still scored goals. So I don't see why not if they progress him. But my biggest concern, and as I said, if he went to Everton or Brighton, I wouldn't be bothered because I could realistically see a chance where, yes, he comes back to us next year. Maybe next year he's out on loan or in the under-23s. And then the year after that, maybe he's on the bench when he's 18-19. At Chelsea, that is the club that historically, apart from Mason Mount and Kind of the generation that Lampard brought through. Chelsea are a win now club. They don't bring through youngsters. They are chopping and changing manager every year and a half because they're win now. They Lampard is the only manager that really has brought through any Chelsea players since what Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, probably. So, I don't see the progression of joining Chelsea. As I said, I've got. I said this, and people are like, oh, you're salty that he's gone. I'm up, of course I'm upset that he's gone. I wanted him to stay here. I'd have loved him to have stayed until the summer played men's football because for me I don't know if you agree and I've heard people say it the best thing to do when you're 17, 18, 19 go out and play men's football I don't care if it's League 1 I don't care if it's League 2 I don't care if it's the conference play men's football because it's better than playing an under 23s when the football's slow and you're all trying to learn go and play and it's a, an ugly saying but go and play on a Tuesday night in the middle, in Shrewsbury in minus 2 get the shit kicked out of you because you'll learn Instead, you know, there's a chance that he goes to Chelsea. And as you said, he's buggered off to Vitesse Arnhem, then comes back and plays for the 23s, has three months maybe on loan at Wimbledon or something. I just don't see Chelsea as the right move. But, you know, I mean, congratulations to him. I wish him all the best. I'm pleased for him and his family. I know, actually, ironically, some of his family members. So, good luck to him. I hope his career is fantastic. I'm just not sure that's the right move.
0: I agree. I, I do think. I think the other thing that, that worries me is he's gone straight back to Charlton, at a time when Chelsea, as far as I'm aware, only actually have one striker in their squad, which is Romelu Lukaku. If I'm missing anyone, then please do tell me. But they sold Abraham's in the summer. Yeah, they let Tennessee, Giroud man, go but... in in the summer. They Mitchy I think, contract expired last this summer, just gone. So I think they've gone from having about four strikers to having one. And you know they've... what my
1: biggest, my biggest red warning was? When they signed him, he was announced by the Chelsea Academy. Not even by Whoa. Chelsea. Club. He was announced by their Academy.
0: Jeez. I was like, hello. <laughs> I think it's definitely a good, a good thing for him then that he's back at. Cholton, even if it's just on loan till the end of the season because like you said the best thing for anyone I think the age and physical development has got to be right but I think primarily if you're a professional footballer and as someone who tried to become a professional footballer and failed miserably I think you've got to be ready to play adults by the time you've hit 18. If you aren't at that stage then I don't think maybe 19 at a push but you've got to be ready for first-team football by the time you're about 18, 19 years when, old now. I can't remember
1: the bloke's first name. You might remember it. It's something Hart. He was a manager for a few years. He was Charlton's Youth Academy set Paul Hart, I believe. Yeah,
0: Paul Hart. He was a Nottingham Forest manager. He was at Portsmouth
1: as well. He was Portsmouth. I saw what I was going to say, but I wasn't sure. So he was Charlton's Youth Academy director for a while when Chris Powell's at the club. I listened to him talk once because obviously he's part of Valley Gold and Charlton's paid how the fans kind of get involved with the youth team. And he said, if a player's not ready at 21, he's never going to be. If you're 21 and you have not played men's football, which sadly is happening to a lot of people at Chelsea, a lot of their youngsters are getting to 21 and haven't played men's football, you're not going to get there. You're not going to make the, what your aims. You're better off going. There was a, a, a lad I was reading about who, I think he was at Liverpool he was academy he was 19 Liverpool offered him a new contract he said no I'm going to go and play football and he dropped down to no it was Newcastle he dropped down all the way to like the 6th tier and has now worked his way back up to League 1 and I can't remember his name uh, no it's not come to me because he said I want to go and play men's football he went away he learned at real low level dodgy pitches in the middle of Yorkshire and Lancashire and is now back in the Football League and is getting rave reviews that's for me, that's the right thing. I get that get, you have Liverpool on your CV or Chelsea, it looks good. But surely
0: you want to play football no? I agree. Right, we'll leave Charlton there for now. Let's move on to the transfer window because it has now slammed shut. It wasn't a massive one in terms of the Premier League, although uh, I understand from talking to Dan that the EFL went... There was a lot of movement in the EFL. Potty. No massive transfers that would shock the world and it's there's, there's been no like Berbatov from Tottenham to Man United at, at the crack of midnight like there used to be for 33 million or whatever it was. There have, however, been some, what I would call some strange ones. We'll start off with Pierre Aubameyang. <laughs> uh, he has left Arsenal, but this took twists and turns. I don't know if you've caught up fully on this one, Dan. I
1: have. Yeah, I was watching originally deadline day around the Charlton game.
0: Yeah, originally he was going to go to Barcelona on loan. They then couldn't get Usman Dembele off of their books, so they couldn't sign him on loan. They were then going to sign him on a free transfer from Arsenal because Arsenal were going to save £25 million in wages if they let him go. They then ran out of time... So the deal couldn't be completed. And what I'm now hearing and if you can confirm this, I would appreciate it -- is Arsenal and Piero Emmerich of have come to a mutual termination of his contract. He is now available on a free transfer, and is due to sign for Barcelona at any day. Is yeah. that correct? Uh, so Matt Arsenal
1: agreed. A seven million. I don't know what the right term is. Mutual agreement. So they've paid seven million to cancel Obamiang's contract. Uh, I don't know if Obamiang has officially joined Barcelona now, but we all know he's all about to. My favourite thing about this was, I know it does say here that Barcelona have signed him. They're waiting to confirm his uh, availability because of wages and all kind of nonsense that we've been through many times. But, my favourite bit of this story was he was a, he flew to Barcelona and I thought we, I got excited because I thought we'd got Peter in Gab Gabon style rather than Nigerian style, and then it turned out that he was there to see family and I thought, oh, well, that's ironic, isn't it? When the deal because the deal was on, it was all good. Then all of a sudden the deal was off, but it's okay because he was there to see family.
0: Yeah, and- I believe <laughs> if, if 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 my information is correct, his mum lives in Barcelona. She's not very well. Um... And that was where he went a few weeks ago when the trouble with Arsenal started because he was in Barcelona supposedly to see his mum who isn't well and then was seen out getting tattoos and whatnot. And then, like you said, remarkably, he's there again and all of a sudden he's signing for Barcelona. It does seem like he's basically odd and winged it, really. He's turned up when a deal's not right. in place. And almost basically, I heard it described on the radio earlier, he's almost photobombed Barcelona into signing I, him.
1: I almost gave him shithouse of the week. Just for turning up and being, hey, sign me, I'm here, why not?
0: Before we quickly move on, do you think he's going to be a success at Barcelona? I think he's better than Luke Dion. So, Martin Braithwaite. Success,
1: depending on what you register as success, I think he's an improvement on what they have.
0: And what does his signing mean for Ferran Torres, who obviously signed for Barcelona from Manchester City? He he left Manchester City because he specifically said, I want to be the main guy. And if you're going to keep rotating me in and out, then I'm going to Barcelona. I think Ferran Torres is the long-term striker for Barcelona.
1: They have every intention. He could also go and play wide because Memphis Depay has not been great for Barcelona as many predicted. So I wouldn't be surprised, Auto to see Ferran Torres move wide while Abamiang's there. Abamiang, I assume, won't sign a massively long contract, probably a year and a half, two years, and then Torres will go through. Because didn't Torres sign a six-year deal? I think so, yeah. So uh, Torres will be the long-term striker unless they manage to bring in a Haaland on, or something. And um, from what everyone seems to be said, Haaland's more or less going to Madrid. So Torres probably is the long-term striker, but Abamiang will be the striker for now. Sorry.
0: You're hearing Haaland's going to Madrid? When I listen to podcasts and stuff, a lot
1: of the people in the know around football seem to suggest that Erling Haaland and Madrid are... It's it's a likelihood thing to happen in the summer.
0: That's really interesting because I've actually heard the opposite. I've actually heard that Real Madrid have got no interest in Haaland. Their sole focus is getting Kylian Mbappe in. And apparently that deal... Is now signed, sealed, and agreed for him to move. Oh Jesus! Two of them playing together in a. oh Well,
1: they're wow. losing Benzema. So,
0: and if they get Pogba, if they get Pogba and Rudiger as well, all in the one window. But I have heard that Barcelona are trying to structure a hundred million pound loan to get. Haaland.
1: In. Of course they are.
0: Of course they are. Exactly. <laughs> so be interesting to see which way those two transfers go in terms of Mbappe and Haaland. Uh,
1: there's sorry. Just while we're talking, there's a, a, we spoke about Everton and Delhi Alley. Now, as much as I don't particularly like the deal, I do like the way Everton have proposed this deal.
0: Right. Well, funnily enough, this was the next one I'm going to move on to for our listeners. Delhi Alley has moved to Everton on a free transfer. Rising to forty million pounds, depending on performances, both for Everton and Ali as an individual player. So it's,
1: it's effectively—I it don't know, obviously the complete ins and outs, but we, from what we know, it's ten million if Delhi Ali plays twenty games for Everton. So effectively, they're definitely paying ten million pounds because Delhi Ali will play twenty games for this football club. Then there's thirty, as you said, depending on Delhi's—I think it's probably goals, assists, uh, Everton's league performance, cups, etc. Um, I, I think this is a good deal because 10 million in Premier League football isn't bad. And if Everton can and Frank Lampard can get Deli Alli playing to a, to a standard, even maybe not the standard that he was at, but the standard he was at at the beginning under Mourinho. Because if you remember when Mourinho first came in, Deli Alli started really well. If Everton can get that Deli Alli consistently, that's still a very good player. Um, and, you know, 10 million with the opportunity to go up. I, I think this is clever business by Everton. If you haven't, there's a very clever internet, video on internet, by the way, that you, if you haven't, you need to go see. I sent it to Ryan. It's uh, a, a man pretending to be Everton calling Tottenham for Delhi Alley, says, We're willing <laughs> to pay 40 million. And Tottenham, the board saying, Well, we can't afford that. How about we give you 20? And then Everton saying, No, no, we're paying you. And the Tottenham director runs off to find Delhi Alley. It was quite a good video. But yeah, in all seriousness, I, I do think that's uh, the way Delhi, as much as I'm not a fan of the, the overall deal, the way they structured the deal. I think it's a very interesting and intriguing deal for Everton.
0: I'm going to be a bit bold here. I think this is a bad signing by Everton, regardless of the finances involved. Uh, whatever has happened to Deli Alley since Mauricio Pochettino left Tottenham, I've never seen a player decline more rapidly than I have in Deli Alley. He's gone from what, four years ago? He was the darling of of, of the England national team. He was basically the first name on the team sheet. He was tearing the Premier League apart and people were talking about Real Madrid paying about 150 million quid just to sign him. And here he is two, three years later or whatever it is and he's gone for nothing to a club in danger of relegation. So I hope that Frank Lampard can get something out of him. I'm just not sure that he's going to.
1: The other deal that I, that I like, that I think people don't necessarily won't get to, because I think it's a loan and it's not one that keeps Newcastle up, but I think Matt Target is a massive improvement to what Newcastle have in their defence.
0: Let's talk Newcastle, because they were obviously probably the biggest and most busiest 90
1: Club. million
0: they spent. Yep. And they brought in what, five players? They brought in Matt Target, which, like you, I think is very unfortunate to lose his place in I the think Villa he's team. A great I Absolutely. think he's a fantastic player. I was actually a bit surprised when Southampton let him go because he was a Southampton youth product and I thought he was very good. Obviously, Ryan Bertrand was in front of him at the time, but I thought he was the natural successor to Ryan Bertrand. They signed Dan Byrne, another defender that I actually really like from Brighton. And I was quite surprised Brighton let him go. He's like six foot seven. He's probably the the defender I've seen the most in recent years who is absolutely fantastic at last ditch tackles. He's put in some real caulkers over the last year or two and for Brighton. He's probably
1: the only six foot seven defender that's ever played left back as well and done okay at that there. He'll play centre back, obviously, for Brighton, for Brighton, for Newcastle. But I mean, anyone that improves over Kieran. Kieran Clark, as we when we spoke about the beginning of the window, Newcastle's defence needed anyone. <laughs> Just bring in a body because your defence is that bad. But Bruno um, Gimardes, I don't know how the official pronunciation of the name is. I don't know how much you've you've seen of him, Ryan, but he's a very tasty uh, little player. Bruno, he's a busy, busy box to box player. Gets around. He's fantastic for Leon. Um, hopefully, he can make the transition. Forty and I said, I thought maybe Newcastle throw one big deal and there it is.
0: There were rumours uh, going back a few weeks that apparently their key signing, their big statement signing would be a, a central midfielder. I understand if my information is correct, the, f- the fee rises to £51 million, pounds depending on bonuses and whatnot. But from everything I've heard and from videos I've seen, this this guy, short of goal scoring, is essentially the complete midfielder uh, great tackling, very good with his feet. Apparently, he was raised up playing, is it soccer?
1: Yeah, soccer. Uh, John
0: Joe Shelby with talent. It's futsal. People would know it's, it in this yeah, country as yeah, futsal. Yeah, it's futsal. And apparently, technically... Massive in Brazil. Yeah, and apparently, technically, this guy is very, very gifted. He's fantastic, um, he really is. He's quite a, a, quite a unique midfielder, because not only is he very robust in the tackle and works really hard, but he's also... Really technically gifted, quite skillful. Rolls the ball with his feet really well. Who else did they sign? Chris Woods, they obviously signed Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier is another good signing. So they basically got three defenders in to replace.
1: Which they needed.
0: Yes, they did. The Chris Woods one for me, I did say it on the Facebook Live. That one baffled me because pundits have said that it's weakened Burnley. I don't think it's weakened Burnley that much at all because he's not done much for Burnley this season. And I can't see him scoring the goals for Newcastle to keep them up. If anything, I think their goals are probably going to come from the likes of St Maximan and probably someone like Dan Byrne, who's who's going to get on a lot of headed goals and that sort of thing. Uh, Aston Villa, I think, have done very well in this transfer window. I mean, correct?
1: Aston Villa will be the ones that come out of this looking the best, don't they? I just, just if I don't, I don't even think you have to go much further than just saying they brought in Coutinho and uh, and Dinier. Luka-Dinier. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. just too... If if you told me December, we were sitting here Christmas Day, and you said Aston Villa were signing Dinier and Coutinho, I'd say they'd piss off.
0: Well, Coutinho was linked to, the minute the money came in at Newcastle. It was, it was immediately linked with Newcastle. And I think Newcastle did try and get quite a few players. I know they went in for Lingard. I know they went in for Henderson. Um, they also brought in Callum Chambers on a free
1: transfer, which could end up being some shrewd business uh, as backup for and Zay because and has left, doesn't he? So I think that's for a free transfer again. I think that's quite decent
0: business. The big clubs were relatively quiet. There was a few outs at Manchester United. Obviously, Van der Beek's gone to Everton. Uh, Martial's gone to Sevilla, and who was the other one? Someone else did leave. Who? Who's the Diallo other one? Diallo to Rangers. Diallo to Rangers, but there was another big name that left Manchester United. I can't remember where it was. Um, but it, I don't think Chelsea did any deals. Well,
1: apart from Buster.
0: Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal let a few Arsenal go. signed a lad
1: from America, but I don't know if he's, a, if he's what his level is in terms of where he'll, if he's going to be around the first team or not. I don't know.
0: Tottenham let a few go and brought a few in. Uh, a lot of loan signings left. Uh, Brian Hill, who only just signed in the summer, has gone back to Spain. Giovanni Lucelso's gone to Spain. And, uh, Tango Ndombele has gone to Leon to replace Grimares who has gone to Newcastle. And they've bought in uh, Betancourt. and I've got to try and get this one correct. Dejan Kulusevski from Juventus. Yep. He's it a Swedish winger, if I remember rightly.
1: Been playing um, 10 in recent when he plays Juventus.
0: But not the kind of player that the current Juventus manager, which I think is Max Allegri, Mm -hmm. uh, a big fan of. I am surprised that Rodrigo Bettencourt left Juventus to join Tottenham because I know Allegri really likes Bettencourt because Bettencourt is a very much dog of war. He does the hard work. He does the grunt work. He's a very good player, but he's very functional. He's not technically extremely gifted, but... He will give you is everything, which is a bit of another odd signing for Tottenham as well, considering that they've basically got three central midfielders that are essentially dogs of war in Hoyberg, Skip, and Winks. Well,
1: I think they were trying to improve on on Hoiberg, the, on weren't they? Really, with that signing, I I quite like Liverpool. To be fair, I think they signed what, with all three of their attacking core up. At the end of next season, they brought in Diaz, who I kind of assume will be the Sadio Mane replacement. I think Sadio Mane moves on next year, uh, so Luis Diaz will be the Sadio Mane. And they've they couldn't do it in this window, but I believe they've done it for the summer. They've signed Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, who has been a fantastic talent and it's blown the Championship up really, and showed signs of doing it last year in the Premier League. So Liverpool have been shrewd again. Did you know they just come in, they do their job. They're not it's nothing flashy. They get it done and they move on. Um, so we won't talk about that too much. I and mean, No one ever will. But I, I do believe that Diaz will be a good signing and is probably the Mane replacement.
0: A couple of other outgoings at Arsenal as well. Pablo Mare, I believe, has left. And Maitland-Niles has gone over to Roma. Roma. Uh,
1: and Roma are already trying to get a permanent deal for that, aren't they?
0: Yeah, Yang has obviously left. Uh, Chambers has left as well. Uh, Mikel Arteta does seem to be having a proper good clear out at Arsenal. The, he won't the sell, one that you think? The one
1: that... I. I don't understand. They did. I mean, I get why they didn't tell him, but if you're getting bids, Eddie and Ketty is leaving in the summer for free. You're getting bids. Apparently, Newcastle and Palace were after him. Take the deal. I know you've not got a, a huge amount of strikers. Just, just take the deal. Uh, the other one they brought in, I I don't know anything about him. But I'll naturally the other one that left was Oston Trusty from Colorado Rapids. I don't know no, anything about him, so I can't. Neither tell you do
0: I. I must admit, for all their outgoings, and I like the fact that Arteta's laid the law down with Yang and just said, right, get rid of him, whatever it, it takes. We don't want that kind of player here. But what worries me for Arsenal is the lack of signings. They were supposed to be pushing. Again. Um, and they were in good form for a little while, but they haven't added to anywhere in the squad. I mean, don't get that- me wrong, I understand they need to trim their squad to make room, but if you've sold essentially three or four players in one transfer window and no one comes in, I understand Like the the issue around Nketiah is I understand they very much want him to stay and they there is a, a contract offer on the table for him to accept whether he chooses to accept it or not, but he doesn't seem to want to accept it. I, my understanding is Nketiah wants to go and play first-team football. To be fair, he is, what, 22, 23 years old now? So he really should be first team somewhere.
1: The, the thing that gets me is if, if you're Arsenal, you're not, you weren't expected to do anything last year. I'd argue right now, third and fourth place is open. Chelsea are sinking. They're getting pulled into this battle with the Europa League sides. Fourth place has been an open battle. And as much as I expect Chelsea and United to get third and fourth, that battle is open. Tottenham have gone out and... have I'll tell you what you want about Klevesky, uh, or how you pronounce his name, and Bentacore. They've tried to improve to get that fourth place. Arsenal have just sat there. Arsenal have this season have been that team that they beat everyone else, but the teams around them, they can't beat. They, I, think, I would have liked to have
0: them see them try. I think the other thing that worries me for Tottenham is they've still not signed a striker to back up Harry Kane. Not since, who was it? Vinicius, no. Vinicius someone or other. Uh,
1: Carlos Vinicius Jr. That was it.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It came from. Benfica. Benfica. Yeah, it was in Portugal. And like he came, he sat on the bench for Jose Mourinho. And I saw him in a couple of FA Cup games and he looked really good. But no, they never played him. And again, they've got no money. They've not signed another striker.
1: The thing for Arsenal and Tottenham, you look, they're on 36 points, right? Chelsea are on 47. They both have four games in hand. So if they win three of them, they're up Chelsea's backside. They are win four, they're above Chelsea. So surely, in my mind... Even if it's a loan, there was talk to Arsenal were trying to get players in on loan. You try to do something because fourth place is very reachable, very maybe even third. It's attainable for these sides.
0: Which, actually, your point brings me on nicely. I'm going to flip this on its head just a little bit for a minute because we talked about who's coming in and who's coming out. But I want to talk about a couple of clubs that actually didn't do any business at all. And your point brings me on to West Ham. They have uh, been pushing well in the league. They're, I think they're fifth, not far behind Manchester United in fourth. They've got Mikel Antonio, who, who we all agree on this podcast, is a fantastic player who's unfortunately prone to injury. They, in my opinion, they should have gone out and at least got a backup striker because he's their only striker. They, well, they didn't try any. Mean,
1: I think that's part of their deal. They spe- it seemed to, if you believe, rumours. They spent a large amount of the of window trying to get a deal for Gabby Goal. Um, but however, Gabby Gol, from what was being said online, seems to think he deserved to be Premier League's highest paid player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's just not going to happen at West Ham. Obviously, they tried to get Lingard again towards the back end of the window, just didn't quite work for them. So,
0: well, this is interesting yeah, think, because well, you say, you say that, but that I'm also hearing rumours that basically West Ham are basically talking out of their rear ends. Because there were reports and the owners have claimed this is just reports. There's nothing actually, I've never heard not anything confirmed. But apparently the owners of West Ham have said that they went in for Rafinha and Calvin Phillips of Leeds. And they bid uh, 40 million plus for both players. And apparently this is not true at all. West Ham received no bids. And apparently I was listening to Simon Jordan on the radio and apparently golden sullivan did a similar deal back when he was owner of crystal palace birmingham were linked with andy johnson at the time golden sullivan came out and said that they bid 6.5 million pounds for andy johnson and it had been rejected and simon jordan who was the chairman of crystal palace at the time said no bid came in N- they never received a bid so th- there does seem to be speculation an opinion within the footballing world that the West Ham owners are blowing smoke on this one.
1: Yeah, and I think um as much as West Ham are in a position, they join the same as Arsenal and Tottenham. Just go and do a deal. Even, I know it doesn't make sense, maybe just to show someone, but you're in that fight. Maybe do a little bit more than maybe what you'd like to do to try and bring in a person. But I just... Just saw something on a complete random note. I've just seen something on the internet and this will make you laugh. Barcelona president, Joan Laporte said in his press conference today that he believes Usman Dembele
0: is a better footballer than Kylian Mbappe. Really? This is the <laughs> same player that is refusing to sign a reduced contract. So they've frozen him out of the first team. I think Although, he's better than Mbappe. I'm if sure... he's better than Mbappe, I'm better than Messi. There you go. I'm sure he will be back in the first team in no time now that he's not going anywhere, but going back to the West Ham point and talking about Calvin Phillips and Rafinha, another club that didn't make any signing was Leeds and Leeds are are down the bottom. They're in trouble. Obviously, Calvin Phillips is due to return from injury soon. I believe Banford's just come back. So they have got a few players coming back. However, that still only leaves them with the squad that they started the season with. And I think we all said that Leeds wouldn't... Actually, I think it was me and you. I think Pete had a soft spot for Leeds. But I think we both said that Leeds wouldn't do as well this year as they did last. And they've, again, not backed up their squad while their manager continues to run them into the ground.
1: Yeah, Bielsa likes a small squad. I think that's part of the reason why they did no business. I think they're a side that should have done business to make sure. Listen, I think they'll be safe. As we've said, there are four teams, I think, at the bottom in Norwich, Newcastle, Watford and Burnley, who are likely to go down. Leeds, I think, should, just to make sure their fans, I've listened to phone-ins and and the social media reaction, Leeds would have loved, fans would have loved to have done some business because they don't feel 100% safe. I think they'll be okay. A striker, again, much like every other team in the Premier League, you'd love to have two strikers. Someone Because as soon as Bamford got injured, Leeds stopped scoring goals, didn't they? So, uh, and, and the Bielsa effect, as we've spoke about, me and you both agreed, is it's running out of time in Leeds. And uh, I, wouldn't, I don't think he'll be there next year. So...
0: I mean, this is the thing. Even Burnley signed someone to replace Chris Woods. Weghorst. They vouch they, Weighhorst. He's a huge guy. Chris Woods was six foot three and built like a tank. And this guy's six foot six and, and he's even bigger. But at least Burnley did some business. The other one, which is, everyone is saying this is the romantic transfer of the window, this one fills me with dread. And it's Christian Eriksen going to, to Brentford. Obviously, we, we all know and we've spoken about what happened to him. And obviously, he does have a pacemaker fitted and apparently he is medically cleared to go and play football again. And I'm not sure. I think we covered this on a previous pod. I think we both said... That he should just stay home now, hmm. but the deal's gone through. Are you hoping what I'm hoping that it doesn't? History doesn't repeat itself, and that he's okay. I'd love to see him just on the pitch once
1: to just get that response from the fans, welcome him, in, and then he retired. Frankly, I uh, just I wouldn't risk it. I think we spoke about it before. I wouldn't I wouldn't risk it if I see him. Listen, if he if whatever they've done and I don't know, can't remember what the term is. The box in his heart can make a difference. Great, and I wish him all the best. But I, yeah, no, it scares me that it's going to happen again, and he's got a family to think about. But good luck to him. I hope, I hope it all goes well for him. And he, and if all being good, has a good season, half a season
0: for Brentford. Right now, most bizarre transfer for me of this window. I don't know about you. This one blew my brain. It really did. Aaron Ramsey has left Juventus and signed for Glasgow Rangers in Scotland. This is a guy who is rumoured to be on £450,000 a week post-tax. And he's gone to Rangers who there's no way that they can be paying anything above 10% of his wages. I mean, for Rangers, this is a, probably the biggest deal and the best deal that they've ever done. They're probably paying about forty-five grand a week. For a Wales international who, bar his injury so I record, don't, is I actually a great don't player. Think, from what I was listening to, I don't think they're paying his wages at all. No, I mean, I've Ju- heard this. Juventus
1: are, a, foot, a foot in the bill. Juventus have been like, just, we don't want him. There you go.
0: Yeah, I've heard this. There's outrage in Scotland about it because essentially they're claiming that. <laughs> <Pretty there's, player. laughs> yeah, their sources are claiming that basically Rangers have got a world class player for nothing absolutely nothing and it shouldn't be the transfer shouldn't have been allowed because Rangers are paying nothing Listen, if Juventus um, are Sicily enough to do it, more for Rangers <laughs> that's it, I mean it's still, from my perspective I mean, it's still a bit of a gamble because of Aaron Ramsey's injury record and his lack of football in time it, it still represents a little bit of a gamble but it's not a massive gamble if it goes wrong it's no big deal I mean you look at how Gareth Bale did for Tottenham, I mean he did alright but Nothing,
1: I think Gav did a lot better than people think he did, to be yeah,
0: fair. But he was too old and too injury-prone to produce the kind of performances that anyone was expecting from him. And I think Rangers fans are probably going to get the same treatment. He, Annie McCoy has, has called this as big a transfer as when Rangers signed Paul Gascoigne. I'm not no, sure no, I no, can no, agree no, with no, that no, no. because that was something different.
1: Um, yeah, that that's in terms of in terms of stature, I get it, but it's just not the same, is it?
0: No, it's not. Paul Gascoigne was a one in a million talent from so many times. Um, but what what do you think about Aaron Ramsey going to Rangers? Do you think this is going to be a success? I think if they can keep him semi-fit, I think if he
1: can play ten games fully fit the rest of the season, Rangers win the league because of Aaron Ramsey. I watch the majority of Rangers games on TV. As I said, I've got, as me and you have both said, we've got soft spots for Rangers. And um, I watch their team. They've got some really good players. Uh, I thought they were missing someone to really drive on the ball. Ramsey could be that guy. If he can stay anywhere near fit, give them... They've got Joe Rebo who's good at it. If you could put a Rebo and Ramsey in and around Morelos, that Rangers team... And also remember, Rangers are still in Europe too. It's an opportunity for Ramsey. If he can stay fit, work hard. He'll be in Europe. He'll be expecting to win the Scottish League, maybe the Scottish Cup. So good luck to him. I think it could be a good deal for Rangers, especially because they're paying
0: so little. Let's move to the Football League now. There have been some interesting ones for me. There are obviously other moves in the in the Premier League, but we could be here forever talking about them. Jermaine Defoe, sadly, for Cholton fans, didn't turn up at Cholton. He's uh, moved to Sunderland on a free transfer. Okay no Dan- for me. Dan's celebrating because he doesn't get a cake in his face. Uh, Much to my displeasure. Um, Jermaine Defoe is, what, 38, 39 now. So is he going to have much of an impact in in League One, Dan? I mean, from what we saw of Jermaine Defoe in Scotland,
1: yeah. (laughs) To be put bluntly, I think the way that he is, it's one of those things. He's a predator, isn't he, to throw in the box? Wrong words when you're talking about Sunderland. But when he is just such a good finisher, that, that doesn't leave you. He's 38, but he still has that ability. He's shown it at Rangers over the last three seasons. Two seasons, two and a half, technically. If Sunderland can provide him, he will score goals. It's it's gonna be that simple. And they can. They are very Sunderland have scored a lot of goals this year. I think it's a really good deal. I also like it because he had a really good connection with that young lad from Sunderland, um, young Lowry, the young boy who passed yeah, away. Bradley, L- was it Bradley was, Lowry? Bradley Lowry. Obviously, Jermaine Defoe is quite high up in the foundation. Um, when he signed, he's actually had Lowry on the back of his shirt that he the signed with. So uh, it's it's quite a nice
0: feels. Yeah, it hits you in the feels, that signing. Yeah, definitely. One that has... I didn't even realise this guy was still playing. It's a lone move. Uh, Nathan Delfonso. I didn't realize he was still playing. He, it, was, it was a guy at Aston Villa as a kid. And I remember him being at Blackpool, and there was all sorts of trouble with him at Blackpool. He's fantastic for Blackpool. Um, he was at Bolton. Where's he gone? I mean, where's he gone? He has gone on loan to Bradford. Yeah, Bradford um, needed our score. That makes sense. Matty Longstaff He's... is another one who's gone from Newcastle yeah. to Mansfield. What the fuck, the fuck was that one about? I saw that. What has happened to his career? I remember him being championed because he didn't he come on on his debut and score a a couple of goals against Man United or something?
1: Yeah, but I think it's a case of Newcastle said, hey, we want someone that has a bit of money to take him on loan. Mansfield have a little bit of cash and went, well, we'll have him. (laughs) And they went, okay, off you go. And I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, The team that I want to give credit to is Bournemouth. They had a fantastic deadline day. Didn't they sign
0: about four players?
1: Bournemouth signed five players. They brought in Freddie Woodman, good, who I think was... Keeper. It's been He spent two years at Swansea and was sensational. Part of the reason they got in the playoff final last year. They signed Kiefer Moore, who was linked to a Premier League move. I think it was Wolves in the summer tried to sign him on the deadline day. Fantastic for Cardiff last season. Uh,
0: wow, Stranholl. This year, though.
1: This year, I think the summer, there was news. He wasn't very happy at Cardiff. He wanted the move in the summer. It didn't happen. Nathaniel Phillips did okay for Liverpool, will be a fine side plan for them. Todd Cartwell is one that we'll see. Yeah, Showed real signs, but struggled for Norwich.
0: Is that a loan till the end of the season?
1: That's a loan till the end of the season. And then my favourite one, one is Siriki Dembele. And I don't think Ryan will know too much about Siriki Dembele. But No, I he's don't. a young He's a young winger for Peterborough. Fantastic, quick, sharp on the ball, can play anywhere in the front four. I think that's a really good sign for Bournemouth because he's dangerous. Him and Jamal Lowe running around your defence will scare the crap out of people. So I really like that deal for Bournemouth. Jeff Hendrick to QPR, I think could be interesting for him. The other name to watch out for is Jonathan Panzo. He's a young English centre-back. He's uh, been playing for Monaco in France. He moved in the summer to, is it Dijon? I don't know. I think that's pronounced yeah, yep. that's correct. Was their starting centre-back. He's gone to Nottingham Forest on deadline day. The big one late was Tom Ince is trying to restart his career again. He's gone to Reading for, so that Liam Moore could go the other way online. So that's a good bit of business. Mill signed Luke Freeman. I think that's good for them. Josh Madger going to get another go in English football. Obviously the young uh, You spoke about him, Ryan, on your show on Facebook. Josh Madger yep. was... Well, Sunderland youngster went to Bordeaux, spent the back end of last year at Fulham, went back to Bordeaux and is now joined Stokes, a stoke of tried to improve up front. Birmingham were busy. Lee was trying to bring back all the old Cholton players. Lyle Taylor went back, obviously scored. He's a prick. And they, I, they were trying to get Naby Sarr, but I'm guessing the deal didn't go through because I can't see it on the list of completed deals. And there's one more I want to talk about. Lewis Wing from Middlesbrough. I think everyone remembers Lewis Wing. He was a young... A young uh, young midfielder was fantastic. He's been given a chance in uh, w- at Wickham in Cholton's League. He'll be looking. F- I look forward to watching him. And obviously, West Brom have been busy releasing and getting rid of some rubbish. The one player I was interested in getting your opinion on was Tottenham have let Giovanni Lo Celso go.
0: Yes, he's I, poo, I did See that, but people are upset. From what I've seen him, he hasn't had a consistent period in the Tottenham team that I've seen. He's very much in out in out. Uh I think the talent's there. Uh I think the desire's there. I think maybe he's just one that just hasn't settled in English football. It's not for him. You could argue the same maybe for Tangay undombele, because like he came in big reputation in France as the big the next big thing. A lot of money paid for Tottenham. I think about fifty-six million pounds. I think Tottenham paid for him, rising up to I think about sixty-five or something. And that has I'd argue, I'd argue that Ndombele at least flashed. Yes, as, as much
1: as it didn't work overall, you saw moments where you went, Ndombele's a baller; he can
0: play. But I mean, I also think if you look at some of the other players that have left, I think there's certain types of players that have left because Brian Gill, who's a, a fantastic talent, a really lovely, silky, skillful player. Conte seems to be phasing those guys out. It seems to be like a very solid, very workmanlike, defensively well-drilled Tottenham that he's trying to create. And then Deli Ali's gone as well. Another attacking creative player. It looks like he's putting his stamp on. I mean, some people do need to go. I mean, the fact that Davison Sanchez is still there, I'm quite shocked. I thought he would do have you, gone in the window.
1: Do you think that's because he's going to try and transition this Tottenham team to that Chelsea five at the back with two workforce midfielders that he did at Chelsea with like the, the N'Golo, Kante, Jorginho types? So as we said, the the benticle, the Bentacle Oliver Skip, Harry Winks to and then go with the front three of Shumin whoever he wants to use, and Harry Kane. Very much the setup he had when he was successful at Chelsea.
0: It certainly looks like that. I think it's a case of work ethic more than anything else with some of these players that have gone. We, Mourinho said on the Tottenham thing on, was it Netflix or was it Amazon Prime, one, of, one or the other? Have you but, seen the Tottenham show? About Tottenham. Yeah, but I've heard that Mourinho basically ripped into Deli Alley. He, he ripped basically... into Deli Alley, but I'd tell everyone
1: to go and listen to Danny Rose and Jose Mourinho having an argument on their genius.
0: But Deli Alley's work rate was called into question by a couple of managers that have taken over from Risho Pochettino, most notably Mourinho and Nuno Santos. Es- Thank you. Esposito. Es- 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 Esposito. Yeah, him. Yeah, So I think it's a case of work rate because one of the other things is a lot of people were talking about Steve Bergwijn leaving Tottenham. Ooh, yeah, uh, but I um, don't think... Conte seems to quite fancy him. Exactly, because his work rate is really high. He works hard. I've seen him on the pitch and he, he's a bull terrier. He really does go after the players to try and get the ball back. So I think in that regard, I think it's a case of not necessarily the style of player, but more the attitude of the player that has got all those players leaving. Uh, one of the almost shit house
1: of the week that I found quite fun was Lucas Mora tweeted as the window shut. He tweeted, Thank you, Spurs, for everything. Dot 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 with a picture of him in a Spurs shirt. And then his next tweet was for the five years that I've been here and look forward to carrying on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's genius. Well done, Lucas. Fair play to him. <laughs> Another player that maybe isn't the quality of others, but as you said about Bergwijn, Lucas Moura, he flies around that pitch.
0: I was going to say, I'll have to disagree. I'm a big fan of Lucas Moura. I think he wasted a few years in PSG when he, he should have been playing elsewhere, uh, notably for Man United, because he was linked at the time. <laughs> he um, was, yeah. But he spent... PSG is a mess of a club, so... You, you're not always guaranteed. I mean, Messi's not really set the world on fire at PSG with all his mercurial talent. He's, yeah, so. I mean, just to be fair, I can't comment. I have no interest in French football. Well, no, it's just the stats you would expect with... Does uh, he play? Seriously? He, he, he does, yeah. He's starting to find form now, but you would expect a team of Mbappe, Neymar and Messi... To be banging them in and creating loads. And do you remember when happening? when this
1: deal went through and we all spoke about it? We made the unanimous decision that PSG weren't going to win the Champions League because that front because of the front three, despite the quality on the pitch. You've got Neymar, who is kind of world renowned for to being a massive bell. Yeah. Messi and Mbappe. Everyone was getting excited, but I think everyone that knew this is probably the wrong way of putting it, but everyone that understood football knew actually the likelihood of that working and gelling was very unlikely. People think, were hoping for Messi, Suarez, Neymar version two, but I actually think Mbappe out of the three is the one I'd pick.
0: Yeah, I I, I would as well. I mean, the other thing is, we have got to be clear. I mean, Messi's 34 going on 35. He, he's slowing down now anyway, but you would st- still think that he would be destroying it in the French league when he's... He's not. But I think this also kind of adds a little bit of weight to an argument that I've made for a long time in the Messi versus Ronaldo debate of part of the reason Messi has been so successful throughout his career. Obviously, he's a phenomenal talent. World class doesn't quite fit Messi or Ronaldo. They're a, Mm. a, a step above that. But he very much had a team built around him from the age of 17 going up. And now he's moved to a club where he is not king. I mean, there were even talks in the, the the final few years of his time at Barcelona, where he was having a say on who the next manager was and mm. talking to the board and, and stuff like that. And he was basically running Barcelona. And now he's gone to a club which isn't built for him. It's built for success at I, whatever I it,
1: cost. I said it when when the deal was done on, on this podcast, as soon as he left Barcelona, the next move, wherever it was, if it was, if it was going to be to, to, to PSG, if he was going to go to Man City, if he was going to be off to America, or whatever, it was going to be a, a publicity stunt. It was about, you know, brand messy and not the football. And I think he's, he's kind of proven that I, I think by the end of next year, he's not at PSG and he's either back in Argentina or wouldn't surprise me if he's back in Barcelona.
0: I was going to say, the other thing is I think everybody realizes that he was never really going to go to PSG anyway. He was desperate to stay at Barcelona. He took reduced terms, but those terms were too low to comply with Spanish employment law. So ultimately he had to leave and PSG were the ones offering him the most money. I think So it was more sort of like, okay, well, I can't stay here. I'm going to have to leave. And, I'll go. I think it's kind of a similar situation in in a funny way to Cristiano Ronaldo. Manchester United, who basically had to leave Juventus because Juventus didn't want him, couldn't really afford him because financially they're in a lot of trouble as well. I know there was a lot of talk about him going to Manchester City, but I actually think I'm going to throw in a contrarian opinion here. I actually think he used Manchester City to smoke out Manchester United because I think Manchester City had already spent the vast majority of their money on Jack Graylish. Uh, I think they made a, a couple of other signings nice. as well. And there wasn't really anywhere for Ronaldo to go. So I think there might have been a, a, an inkling of interest from Manchester City, but I don't really see him fitting in at Manchester City, just the way Pep plays. And, and I think he used them to smoke Manchester United out. Um, we've gone madly off topic. I can't even remember what I was talking about now. I never can I, but
1: we were talking about something. But yeah, overall, I think I don't know if we've said this before on on the show. I the January window for me, I don't really like, but I understand why it's there. But I'm not really a big fan of of it as a window. It's never a big one. I, I made the prediction when we discussed it, the opening in December. And I said a lot of the deals will be loans, and I, and I was proven right. It's, it's just how business is done, isn't it? Get, this is stock, a lot of the signings in January is stopgap or teams at the bottom desperately trying to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I also think that COVID has still played a situation in this because nobody with maybe the... Well, to be fair to Newcastle, even Newcastle haven't really shelled out big money on no, no, I mean, an individual £90 million player pounds. yeah but I mean on an individual player I mean, no that's
1: what I mean but I think that's they will spend more than that in summer regardless of what league they're in even if they're in a championship they'll spend more
0: than that you're going to argue what 40 million was the most spent on an, an, on an individual yeah, in Bruno, player
1: even if Newcastle are in the championship next year they spend more than that
0: well interestingly funny enough Bruno Guimara's contract doesn't have a relegation release clause which I was quite he surprised about
1: shit out of the championship but again, when we when he signed Chris Wood, I remember saying on the podcast, I actually think Chris Wood, championship player. If he goes into the championship, probably next twenty goals gets him promoted.
0: I'm so, a, I must admit, I I think they've got a chance of staying up.
1: I never I. thought they I, would. do I think I think they've got a real good chance because of the three other teams down there, Norwich and Newcastle are two at the minute that look good because Burnley and Watford look. I think Burnley are in big trouble. Burnley are
0: toast. They really are
1: toast. Don't, I don't rate Watford, so I don't see Watford being... As I said, I don't like their defence and Roy Hodgson doesn't feel me with that much confidence. And I confidence. think
0: the key thing for me is, is although I've criticised Newcastle for not getting a good enough striker, I think what they have done very well is, as we said earlier, is they've realigned that defence with good, solid defenders and two very good, in my opinion, two very good fullbacks. So I think they might just stay up because, like you said, Burnley are done, Norwich are done, Watford—they've got the attacking talent, but they can't defend. What else?
1: Defence is terrible. But I think, as we said when we talked about Everton and Leeds,
0: their two sides are only six points from the drop. I think all it takes is two wins. I think Leeds. Pete, someone talked about—I can't remember who it was—on our predictions. Podcast. I
1: was quick I, to say Leeds are in trouble. So I, I know Pete here. said
0: that like were we saying that Everton might flirt with relegation and it certainly looked that way in the end. But Leeds I think are going to plummet because I can't see. They've signed no one. There's no
1: uplift there. Le- Leeds' hope is that Calvin Phillips and Bamford come in and make a difference. If not, they will end up being in this fight because as much as we have said, just literally repeating what I just said, but I think Newcastle and the way Norwich have played and got some recent results like they spanked Everton this race isn't over as much as I think they're the four favourites Leeds and Everton I'd be nervous
0: I think Leeds need to be really really worried because the other thing is is there's this argument that players coming back from injury are like new sign-ins I completely disagree with that because it's a completely different story of getting a player who's physically fit but not match fit to yeah. come back into a team as opposed to going out and signing someone who's say in relatively good form and match fit and ready to go. So there's a big difference. How can I put this? The easiest way I could put this is there's a big difference in signing Chris Woods, who has been playing regularly week in week out and bringing back Patrick Bamford, who hasn't played in about two months. So I don't go with that argument. The thing that worries me for Leeds, you look at their remaining fixtures,
1: Villa away, Villa, as we are aware, are a good side. Then they have Everton. That's a big game. Then they have United, Tottenham and Leicester. Oof. So if they lose to Villa, don't get a win at Everton, their next five games are probably defeats. Wow. And then they end the season with Man City, Arsenal, Brighton and Brentford. And there is no real sign of any uplift. So if you think so, they... Don't beat Villa. Be, Villa beat them. Everton beat Leeds. That pulls Everton away. Drop Leeds in it. Leeds, and I expect Leeds to lose to United, Tottenham and Leicester. Newcastle and Norwich get two wins from their next five games. And Newcastle have Everton, which is oh, Everton has some big games. Villa, they have Wolves, Brentford and Brighton. Newcastle can get two wins there. And then that Leeds are in the fight. So Leeds, if, if anyone, if it, when we talk about Leeds or Everton, Leeds aren't, aren't safe. They're nowhere near safe. Jesus. Yeah, that fixture list, Leeds' fixture list doesn't... I heard a Leeds fan, and to be honest, I thought we have a problem. I thought, oh, they'll be okay. But actually, looking at that fixture list...
0: It's not Jesus. good reading. Right, and on that note, we're going to wind up this podcast because we've been talking for a long, old time. Before we do, oh. shit house. Right, and I've also got Plonker Pundit of the Week. And no surprise, it goes yet again to Gabby Abonglahor. I'm seriously thinking of renaming this segment Horse a bummer because <laughs> you, his opinions are just getting worse. How this guy gets money, I don't know. His latest nugget of gold is Arsenal have gone off the boil a little bit after hitting some good form. They're not scoring goals. Lacazette's not scoring goals and Ketia's not scoring goals. So can you guess what his solution was? to Arsenal's goal-scoring problem. Nicolas Pepe up front? No. His answer... (laughs) To their goal-scoring problem was to bring back Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who can't (laughs) hit a (laughs) cow's ass with a banjo for about two years. So his answer was, I'm going to bring back a striker who can't score goals to replace strikers who can't score goals. So Plonka Pundit, of the week, again... Goes to Gabby Abonglahor and a beautiful little bit of note. There is a fellow presenter who works alongside Gabby Abonglahor. Her name is Laura Woods, I believe. And she said when talking to Martin O'Neill, and Martin O'Neill was talking about Gabby Abonglahor and his career, uh, and Martin O'Neill joked that he wasn't very good. And Laura Woods chimed in. Yeah, well, he's not a very good pundit either here at TalkSport, but we really like him. And I just fell about laughing. Have we got a shithousery this week, Dan? We have. So this week, My shi- as we know, my shit-hours
1: retakes, they vary. This one isn't... I wanted to give it to Lucas Moore, but this one I just... This was a comment made that had me laughing for about five minutes. Last night... So the, the award this week goes to Paul Merson. Last night, Sky Sports News, he does the one of the main commentary. Uh, and he was watching Millwall against Preston. And yet the game was, as you can expect by hearing the two sides, just as bad as you think it was. So it was Mill versus Preston. It was nil-nil. The, Jeff comes to him a few times during the game and he looks utterly miserable. And every time he says, this game's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. There's been no shots. At one point, they turn to him and they say, Paul, Merce, what's going on? And he looked at them. He stopped talking. He put his hands down and he went, Jeff, I'm off to the gym. It's more fun. And I died. <laughs> I was on the floor. I was wetting myself. It's the not full- really shithousery in the term of it, just the way that he decided to tell everyone up yours. I found it hilarious.
0: The idea of Paul Merson in a gym is fucking <laughs> hilarious to me. As a player who unfortunately did struggle with alcoholism and lot, I, I remember Paul Merson back in the day, and he was a hell of a talent. Genuinely, was an amazing talent. However, he was arguably one of the most rotund players I've ever seen because of the amount of alcohol he was consuming.
1: It just made me laugh. You, the camera panned to him. He looked miserable. He was just like, I'm going to go to the gym. It's more fun than watching this lot play football. And I was rolling. Oh, the the idea, to be fair to me, of watching Millwall versus Preston does sound utterly depressing.
0: And on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. Again, a shout out to our sponsors, The Proper Blokes Club, walking and talking for men's mental health and trying to break the stigma surrounding men speaking up, go to www.theproperblokesclub.co.uk and let us talk mental health, the football club that Dan is involved in raising money for charity. Mind. You can find them on
1: Twitter at let us talk underscore MH.
0: And of course you can follow this podcast on Twitter Dan is the man on Twitter at FBallFunders. Is that That correct? That is it. That is correct. We've got our Facebook page, which is just type in Football Funders Podcast and you will find us. Thank you very much, Dan. No problem. Thank you for doing this. Thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, stay safe, be happy and don't get Rona.